welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Happy New Year from us here at the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli will be joining us in a little bit so that we can break down and give our locks for the national championship game. Uh, Barton, Happy New Year, man. Uh, you are coming to us live from the Army Bowl. Uh, how are the All-Americans looking right now? Great, Chip. This has been uh, this has been a really good week, actually. I'm excited about our roster down here. Uh, we got the number one player in the country, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we've got six quarterbacks that are all really good, and a roster, or a, an, an all-American game is only as good as the quarterbacks, and all these dudes are legit. Uh, and it's it's is a it's a loaded roster. It's been a fun week. It's going to be a great game on Saturday. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been going really well. I'm I'm uh, I'm usually about midweek at this event, just like drained, and I, I got a little energy, and I'm, I've uh, I'm ready I'm ready for the latter half of the week, and then uh, then a playoff game on Monday or a championship game on Monday. Before we get into uh, we got some some news on the coaching front with Rich Rodriguez out at Arizona. We're going to look back at our college football playoff semifinals, um, but you know while, while we're on the topic, is there any um, in any one player who you who you think you've seen or that you want to give a little shine to that you're a little bit more excited about after watching some of the practices? Well, I'll tell you, the, the, the one guy that maybe is the most eye-popping out here is this kid Micah Parsons out of Pennsylvania, signed with Penn State already. He's already kind of penciled in as their Mike linebacker next year as a, as a true freshman, but he plays all over the field. He can play all over the field. He's been playing defensive end out here, and – like already has had you're not even supposed to touch quarterbacks obviously like that's sort of a standard across the board for all um practices anywhere right but he like uh, sort of the perfect micah parsons play that just depicts him in 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 all that he is in, in every aspect is he he had this unbelievable pass rush in a scrimmage period where he goes and just flattens phil jerkovic the notre dame commit um, cause a fumble, scoops and scores it. Of course, he's not supposed to hit the quarterback, but this kid is just—he's just a lunatic. Like he can't, he, just, he can't help it. He just like he can't like he just cannot turn it off. He's he's sort of, um, I mean, he, he some of the some of the coaches are like, man, he's 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 a handful. Like he's a handful to deal with, but on the field, he is also like that good. Where it's sort of it, it's it's kind of doesn't matter. Um, so he's I mean, like if he can just sort of stay on the straight and narrow, he'll he'll be. A first round lock. I mean, he's that talented. So he, he's been really fun to watch. Um, Xavier Thomas, the other five star defensive end in this game, has been really good as well. But I tell you, the University of Georgia. I know we're going to talk about them a little bit here, but um, they've got a bunch of guys in this game, and and they're they got the number one class in the country right now. And I mean, this is this is it feels very Bama-ish right now what they're doing on the recruiting trail and and the way the buzz continues to generate for the. For the uncommitted guys uh, out there with them, you know this is this is not this is this is gonna this has staying power. You know what, what's going on in Athens right now has staying power, and so I think that this is uh, this is gonna be interesting to watch moving forward. Rusty Mansell in the house. Our boy Rusty, he's down here. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's he's getting after it. Yes, because he got he got the uh, like Will Muschamp gets the win for South Carolina. Kirby Smart gets the win for Georgia. It's the Rusty special of a weekend on New Year's weekend. 
all Rusty's boys are getting it done, man. He's he's uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's been um, he's he's been because isn't the whole st- like I mean obviously the Georgia commits are there, but like Georgia prospects are all over those rosters. Well, they're all over everywhere, and and I mean the state of Georgia is one hundred percent no hesitation. It's it's not a big three talent producing states in college football. It's it's big four. It's it's Alabama or it's a uh, it's it's California, Florida, Texas, and Georgia. Um, you, you cannot talk about those three, you know, traditional big talent states and leave out Georgia anymore. I mean, it, they, they're it's unbelievable what that state is producing right now from a talent standpoint. And uh, you know, it sure looks like they got the right coach in right now to capitalize on that from a recruiting standpoint. Um, and so, it, you know, we're seeing it uh, in, in real time right now. Uh, sudden breaking news on Tuesday night. Rich Rodriguez let go by Arizona. Uh, just to catch the audience up who might not have been able to 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 take in uh, what has been really a wealth of information. We're sitting here recording this on Wednesday afternoon, and even we're learning even more uh, at this moment. But um, there was a former administrative assistant who co- filed a complaint to the university uh, that he uh, for workplace misconduct. Basically, that uh, Rich Rodriguez was in charge of. Uh, a workplace which was threatening. And so there was an outside investigation. The outside investigation, which included Rich Rodriguez taking a polygraph test, found no wrongdoing on the allegation of workplace misconduct. Then the former administrative assistant uh, decides to file a legal complaint, a $7.5 million lawsuit, and within an hour of the complaint officially being filed in the courts, uh, Arizona's president and athletic director decide that they're going to move on. They're buying out all of Rich Rodriguez's contract, which totals around $6 million. They will move forward with the coaching search. And uh, you know, in the release, Barton, we had on-field and off-field reasons. Um, you know, where, how, how do you start unpacking this story uh, as it pertains to Rich Rodriguez and, and sort of you know, how we got to this point? It's undefeated, man. Stop doing dirt, coaches. You know, don't be grimy, and and, and grimy stuff isn't gonna happen. It's 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 all. No, yeah, for sure. Like you know, it's all coming to light. Um, and 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 certainly in this climate right now, uh, you know, if you're out there doing dirt, you know, you better <laughs> you better cover your tracks because it, it's people are hunting you down. And and I think, um, you know, Rich Rodriguez, it's got to be frustrating for him because really. He survived what was, you know, going into this year, I, I think a lot of us, I certainly felt like after, what, a three-win year in 2016 that he was he was on the hot seat and he needed a win. And the way that they recruited, the way that those freshmen played, this team is loaded with true freshmen. And then the way Khalil, uh, uh, yeah, Khalil Tate. Uh, Tate, Khalil Tate emerged late in the year, um, man, they're set up really well to really ha- have a, a strong response in 2018 have a good season and, and, and maybe hey, maybe you contend for the south and um and so it's just but hey like i said if you if you do dirt you're gonna get got at some point and and uh, this is you know maybe in the old days you know you can get away with this stuff and and, and granted there the the sexual harassment complaint um you know, Rich Rodriguez is, is claiming is without merit, and it may may very well be the case. But but he did admit to the affair, and right. and like I said, like that's that's just 
And if if you if you're gonna go that route, you know you, you gotta you gotta pay the uh, pay the piper at some point. So it, it's it's um, you know it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens now at that program, who they hire, where they go, because this is very late in the process now. Um, you know, a lot of head coaches are gonna be hesitant to make a jump this late after they've signed full recruiting classes. Uh, and and I think even you know that early signing period, uh, you know. F- makes it even tougher um and and i think now you gotta if you're arizona you, you know you have to there's going to be pressure for them to let those kids out of their lois yep uh, um so there's this is a lot i mean this is this is this is a messy situation right now and and and, and it's going to be tough for arizona to recover from and in the the court filings you know the rich rodriguez did admit to having a consensual extramarital affair and the court filings from the former administrative assistant of Rodriguez said that she was essentially, uh, from my understanding, part of like the triangle of secrecy. And she and a couple other assistant coaches were kind of in this, like in Rich Rod's corner. But then because of that, uh, you know, it was calls at all hours of the night. Um, it was a lot of personal requests. It was basically, you know, you were in. Uh, the trust tree, and it sounded like life, the way the complaint makes it sound, life inside the trust tree, life keeping some of Rich Rodriguez's uh, secrets, both either personal and professional, uh, That that's really, from my understanding, Barton, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's that's really a big piece of the workplace misconduct allegation, right? Right, right. Like, it's been labeled as, an, as sexual harassment. I, I believe I've seen that. I don't know whether that was what was in the, the the court filing, but but certainly when you when you look at the reports on what's actually in the court filing, it, it feels less of sexual misconduct than it, in, in terms of the, the administrative assistant as it is just. Um, it is. It's almost, a workplace harassment. I mean, when we yeah, have to workplace when, harassment. Yeah, guess, when we yeah, have to take those uh, legal courses, you know, it's like uh, you know when if you create. Uh, a hostile environment that is harassment and that's essentially right. what's being alleged here right right yeah so it's um i mean this is kind of a black eye um i mean we're, a lot of coaches uh, you know getting getting drugged through the um you know the the moral um thorn bushes right now and and not a great look on the coaching profession with the, the last oh i don't know 12 months or so but uh, again, I think that's we're going to have uh, an opportunity here for a, probably a coordinator or something. I, and, and and again, the other thing is now you're looking at Herm Edwards as the most tenured coach in the, in the state of Arizona, and uh, and he's even like like his staff. That whole deal is, is sort of blown up as his staff has all departed and gone to other spots. And so um, it's football in that state is going to be interesting to watch in 2018 um do you so i two names come to mind that are currently not in a job that would not have to leave uh, a signing class that they just uh put down in the early signing period uh tech Te- former texas a&m coach kevin sumlin and former oregon coach mark helfrich uh what would you do if you were arizona i i kind of like the i mean <laughs> I've been, I've become this Mark Helfrich fan in, in listening to him on uh, on broadcasts. Uh, I, I just think he's a really good broadcaster. I think he's really insightful. I think he's really smart. He's clearly a good guy. He's he's clearly a good coach. He's just he to me wasn't a great recruiter, and I think there was some cultural issues within that program. Not from a, I think a little bit of a like. Man, got it's, a little soft. it's it's tough taking over for Chip Kelly too. Right, right. But you know, I mean, the 
there was discord in the locker room. I think I just think he's. I'm not sure he had that sort of authority. I got, to me, he's. I feel he feels like more of a coordinator than a head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, Kevin Sumlin certainly seems like he would work in that spot. Uh, I even saw Les Miles' name float around today. Who knows if that's true or not? Um, but. I guess in that sense, that you know, is there a football. Are guys out there. That is a football crime if we put Khalil Tate under center in the I formation. I mean, <laughs> I, I would hope that that Les's like time off here, his his uh, self evaluation would allow him to finally hand off the offense to somebody and just let them go to work and let him be the uh, the the CEO and, and and recruiting guy. But who you know, you're, you're right. That, that's that's a, that would be quite a gamble uh, to trust Les. Uh, to, to, to have the you know the right offense in place. So, yeah, I guess from those names, Kevin Sumlin makes the most sense to me. Um, but I would be, you know, if Mark Helfert's got the job, I'd be rooting for him because he strikes me as a good person and a good, and, and a good football mind. Um, and, and that is, I really believe, a roster with upside to, to be successful. I, uh, I look and I look across the landscape of the Pac-12, and it just seems as though the, the division – from the top to the bottom. And certainly, you know, Chip Kelly could get it right back going at UCLA, but I, I, I just feel like your your Stanford's, your Washington's, and your USC's uh, are, are really sitting in a class all of their own right now. And, you know, Washington State, you can't take them lightly, but at the same time, I don't think that they're a, they're a team that can be trusted to go 11-1, 12-0 on any kind of regular basis. And again, I, I just... I feel like you look at what's happening in Arizona, what's happening at Arizona State, and the the class of the Pac-12 doesn't look like it's going to get disrupted anytime too soon. Yeah, I I think certainly with UCLA with Chip Kelly now the 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 South got tougher, but with Arizona State and Herm Edwards, I think we're both in agreement that like that's I'm skeptical. That <laughs> very, <suddenly> that becomes, <laughs> very skeptical. You know that that feels like that helps out the rest of the division, um, and and I. You know, in some ways, we look up and all of a sudden, USC is still this beatable team. And yeah. Clay Helton's now had a full two years and, and is, is, is yet to sort of rebuild USC into some juggernaut. And so maybe you're feeling more confident there with, the, with your ability to compete against USC. They're still recruiting at a really high level. Um, but, but, I mean, they're, they're, they've not yet really taken that next step forward to be in the, the upper echelon again. So there's, I think there's some opportunities in that, in that conference and in that division. And I think as we looked across the bowl landscape, shoot, uh, it's pretty clear what the worst of it, worst conference in college football was this year. And that was the PAC 12. Yep. No doubt. Uh, PAC 12, not in the college football playoff, but, uh, but in the Rose bowl, there was a big 12 and an sec team that treated us to one of the best bowl games I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, I, I thought that the, the, one of the most striking things about Georgia's double overtime win, um, let's, let's start here. I thought that this was incredible, an incredible statement from Georgia to win a game that it had yet, really yet to play Georgia. Yes. They put some big numbers on the scoreboard this year. I mean, they, we've never really doubted. I mean, the, the defense got top billing, but it's not like we haven't seen Georgia put up uh, numbers in the 30s and 40s. They've done it several times this year. But Oklahoma has been in and won, whether it's uh, you know the Kansas State game, the Bedlam game, 
They've been in these high-scoring shootouts. They were the the team that had been in these games and won them before. Georgia starts to play Oklahoma's game when they get down by two scores early. Huge, explosive plays by Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, who are absolute superstars. And so you come out of this being like, I don't believe that there's a that that we should pigeonhole Georgia into anything. They're just a great football team right now. I agree. I I, I mean I. My takeaway from that game it was was really just how impressed I was with Georgia, and and I know that that Oklahoma defensively is it has some serious issues, but I mean, hey, they put up 54 points. I mean, you're supposed to do that against a team that has some issues defensively, but but on Georgia's end, I mean, Oklahoma after after that really impressive first half where you know all the scripts were were you know were clicking and and uh, Lincoln Riley's month long game plan was was on point and they're throwing you know double reverse touchdowns to Baker Mayfield right. and all this stuff like yeah that that was really impressive but then in that second half they they, they scored one offensive touchdown and that was on a twenty one yard drive and so. Or, or, or you know, so I think, or no, I'm sorry. They scored one offensive touchdown, and that was on a, a, a longer drive. But they, the other touchdown was a, a, a scoop and score, right? From uh, Stephen Parker. And, yeah, and and then they had a field goal late. And so, what was, what was impressive with me is Georgia played two different games, right? They 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 played the all right, we're, we're going to go blow for blow, uh, punch for punch, and we're gonna we're gonna keep up with you offensively. And then they played the all right, we're going to settle in and we're going to shut you down defensively. And then, you know, they, they made the crunch plays when it mattered at the end. So all of that to me was just – I was so impressed with Georgia, so impressed with Jake Fromm, uh, and, and just, you know, I mean, hey, I was impressed with Oklahoma too. I think that offense is – I mean, that, is, that's, that offense is the truth. And it's kind of a shame we didn't see that offense paired with even a above-average defense because you, you watch Oklahoma and you watch some of those – those big runs by Georgia and it really is just bad tackling. Um, and, and it's, it wasn't, you know, that's the one aspect of this game where it was like, there's there, that, that wasn't elite. That's not, that's not an elite level of play, but because everywhere else it was. Um, so it, it, I mean, it, what a blast. What a, what a fun game that was. I saw, um, I think that Georgia's Georgia's secondary deserves a ton of credit because in a classic, almost Alabama-esque, and you know, certainly uh, you know, Kirby Smart has been the defensive coordinator for uh, a ton of the, the juggernaut title prize fights that, uh, that Alabama has been in over the last several years. They went from showing two high safeties to going cover one, man on the outside, and Oklahoma's wide receivers could not get separation. I think that there is a, a little bit, you know, people, the, it seems like a big buzz talking point was going into, you know, the, the play calling uh, down the stretch for Oklahoma. But look at watching that game. I, it wasn't like I saw a bunch of wide open receivers. You know, the, right. the, those check down throws were because Georgia was doing an incredible job on the back end of that defense. And we give the, the front seven of Georgia a lot of love. And that group that hasn't necessarily gotten as much attention, they stepped. I mean, that is that's a that's a big boy move where it's like, all right, national championship is on the line. Obviously, you're playing for the national championship, but it's like this is a this is a big moment. We have four and five star players. I'm I'm gonna put you. You got to mark this guy. Go and do it. 
And Georgia did it. It was awesome. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, ultimately, the you know, where, where really if there's anything that Georgia struggled stopping was the run game. And, yeah. And credit Oklahoma's offensive line for that. I mean, golly, those big dudes. They were just getting bodies on, on Georgia defenders, and they couldn't get off blocks, especially in that first half. And, uh, you know, and, and I think as the game progressed, we saw Georgia just settle in get used to some of those wrinkles I mean there were some really neat stuff that that Oklahoma was was doing offensively in the blocking game and, and in the draw game and 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 just finding ways to to get Georgia defenders out leveraged and they just sort of settled in and they got and they got used to what they were seeing they hadn't really seen an offense that looked like this and um and in that second half and and by the way I know I saw Fernelli tweeting. I know he watched this the, the coach's room, but I spent a lot of the game watching the coach room. Hell yeah, uh, on the broadcast. It's <laughs> all I watched. It. Yeah, I it's all it. I watched the whole time. Yeah, and and it's just fun to watch, watch those guys. And even at, at halftime, you know, they were saying, uh, "Hey, like, let's. What, what would you do, coach? Like, how would you fix things?" And and you know, they were just saying, "Hey, get two or three stops." I think Major Applewhite said it. That, hey, just get two or three stops. And it sounds. It sounds funny saying that, like to an SEC defense, just find a way to stop somebody two or three times. But ultimately, that's all it was. I mean, they just because they were just going to keep doing what they were doing. You you had confidence that if anything, the run game was going to get stronger as the game progressed. So you just got to find a way to get two or three stops, and they did. I mean, they, they had a bunch of stops in that second half, and um, and and once the you know the game started getting tight, that um, there just there wasn't the plays there, and I think that defense really rose to the challenge. Uh, in the late game, Clemson and Alabama, what I like, so you, you had Alabama as, you know, one of your locks, you only put three units on it, but it was one of your locks in a, in a final in bowl locks four where you were, uh, for the session, you were the great, you, you were plus eight on the session. So this was, uh, you were, you're back in the groove with the big boys, you know, this yeah, is, big, that's, that's, the, that's the way I roll. I'm, yeah. I'm the big, big dog game. So what were you surprised by the way it played out? Uh, no, I think I think in a lot of ways that's about what I expected. Um, you know, certainly in retrospect, like that all that that sort of game makes sense. Um, I think the one thing that that is, and we'll talk about this a little bit when we start previewing the next game. But like, I I don't you know. There's a lot of people that I feel like are retroactively looking at this Alabama Clemson game, and they're looking at the scoreboard and they're saying, um, you know dominating win by Alabama eh, it wasn't it wasn't like a dominating win by Alabama I mean they they certainly won it decisively but they had what 260 yards of offense oh I think Clemson's defense playing really well has gotten buried here yeah, yeah. I mean Alabama was a was a um, you know an interception which was a little I mean a, a little fluky like it was sort of a tip pass interception um, and, and then like a 20-yard drive, and then a pick six from this being a four-point game late in the fourth quarter. Right. Like, so, I, you know, I, I think Alabama was the better team, but and, and Alabama's defense is deservedly the story of this game, but I, I don't know that I left that game thinking, okay, we, we got our juggernaut back. Like, Alabama is once again unbeatable. Um but at the same time, like part of the reason I liked Alabama in that game is so many people for, like late in the year we like our, our 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 last impression of Alabama was getting beat by Auburn, right? Oh yeah. And so 
late in the and, and then they almost lost to, to Mississippi State and they you know they're beaten up late in the year. We forgot, like so many people forgot how dominant this team is and was. And this was the number one team in the country through most of the year. And and that team got a little healthier and they showed up. Um, I don't know what what did you what did you see? I mean, what did, did you see what I'm seeing? I th- I thought it reminded me a lot of uh, when they had the rematch with LSU in the national championship game at the end of the 2011 season, where yeah. the, I mean the score was only 21 nothing. You know, if L, like throughout the entire game, you were like, all right, if if Jordan Jefferson or Jarrett Lee, like if if LSU can get anything, if they can just spring one play, maybe, and LSU didn't even run a single play in Alabama territory, and when we were starting to see like Clemson negative seven yards of offense at the end of the first quarter. Like Clemson getting turnovers, but then not being able to do hardly anything with it. Like I I almost want to like give uh, Alex Spence, the former walk on kicker who was named the starter because Clemson's starting kicker was uh, injured uh, season ending injury near the beginning of the year. Like I don't think he'd hit a 40 yarder all year and he hit two of them. And that just kept like that kept Clemson from getting goose egged in this game. I just, I just, I, I think that it w- you had to imagine Kelly Bryant was coming back to uh, coming back to Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott and just being like, man, I can't do anything. You know, I just the there didn't seem like there was going to be uh, much in a way of of Clemson be able to get something going offensively, and when those sorts of advantages are established early, and an offensive line starts getting beat up a little bit. And there's just no threat of the the deep ball. Like, you were missing, like, yes, Deshaun Watson might have been nice, but Mike Williams might have made this game even better. Or Jordan Leggett. Like, there's there's a lot of um, the, there's a lot of the difference between the Clemson offense that went up against Alabama in the last two national championship games than the one that played um this time in the semifinal, Wayne Gallman. There's another one. Like it's just, yeah. it, it felt to me like the inability to win and have success on first and second down set up so many third and longs, and that just was a, a losing proposition for Kelly Bryant in the 2017 Clemson offense. And when those, when when that sort of leverage and dominance was established early, it was just really hard for me to imagine that unless it came from special teams or unless it came from like a pick six. I just I didn't see Clemson coming back. Well, Chip, like I keep on going back to we talked about this after that Syracuse loss, right? What did I say? Like I was like, all right, the big thing that I don't see in this team is is the ability to get tough physical yards yeah. in the run game. And and you look at the and, and, and in retrospect, you know, hindsight twenty twenty, it should have been a, a no brainer because I, I look at the one point nine yards per carry that Clemson averaged, and you're like, well, of course. That's what it's going to be. I mean, they haven't been able to run the ball in a physical style against anybody. No, and they so just finessed them to death, and that's not going to work against Alabama. It's not going to work against Alabama, and so I think that inability to get anything going in the run game is is probably played a role in why you didn't see much in the in the deep passing game either. And so um, it's it was just you know I think Clemson was flawed throughout the year. Uh, but they but they can out athlete people and they did and you but you're not going to out athlete Alabama uh, and and I and I think and look I'm I'm out here at the Army All American Bowl right and so uh, we get, they got 
Clemson's got the number one player in the country committed to them and Trevor Lawrence and he's here at this game he's the quarterback and I couldn't help but think during that game look man they may be better off like Trevor Lawrence could win that job next year as I look at Kelly Bryant and and I don't want to make that statement acting like Kelly Bryant's the reason that they won that game or lost that game he's not he wasn't the problem but I think that Given the way they've recruited the skill positions, given the guys that are out there that there are, I think can get open and, and they can distribute the ball to. If you just hand it to a really talented thrower and say, "All right, go to work," I think I could see that being their identity. And then you got Travis Etienne as the you know as the the counter to that, and the uh, and maybe you you know you don't have that because really they I mean throughout the year Kelly Bryant's been their power run game in a yep. lot of cases. And, and so I think if you just sort of alter your identity a little bit, I could absolutely see a true freshman at, with the ability of a Trevor Lawrence coming in there and just sort of taking this team to a different – like that gives you a, a way to beat a team like Alabama. Um, you know, they'll, they'll win another ACC championship with, with Kelly Bryant more than likely. Uh, but I don't know if they can win a national championship with them, and I think they might could with a quarterback that, that's got a, a, a really – um, unique passing skill set. Nice. All right. Well, uh, you uh, you you ready for the fi- final locks of uh, locks of the season? Let's do it. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. Time for the final locks of the 2017-18 season. Tom Fernelli, how are you doing? I'm sad. Yeah. How are you? are you? Are you sad because it's over? Or are you sad because you fell back five points during bowl locks four? I'm sad because it's over, Chip, because we've still got a few picks to make, so it's... It's not like this one's over yet. All right. This so competition. This this competition is going to get real wild. It's going to get very intense because we're introduced. We're not only going to be giving you uh, against the spread and over under angles. We've also got some props. So the props will provide an opportunity uh, to per- perhaps propel yourself back into the mix. Barton Simmons currently sitting thirteen minus thirteen units. Um, Let's see. It was it was a big bowl locks four had Georgia five units there. Bama, you got both of your semifinal winners. You got Iowa State gave you five. You got three from ooh yeah three from Penn State, five from UCF. Great call with the national champion Knights. Uh, four from Notre Dame. Tom, it was a, it was a little bit rough. Michigan let you down. Miami let you down. Washington let you down. Tom, that. That under in Georgia, Oklahoma didn't hit. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> yeah, it missed by a little bit. I just, but I played the overtime. Just a little bit. Um, so you're at plus four. Chip missed both of the semifinals, lost a combined eight units there, missed badly on Louisville minus six and a half, lost five units there, but hit on the Iowa State under, the Penn State over, South Carolina, and the LSU under, so the si- the totals uh, providing the the little bit of help that I got, but a negative 
uh, showing for Chip and Bullocks too, dropping two spots, but still leading the pack at plus fourteen. What's uh what's our general what's our general thought with uh, as we start to look ahead? Are we do we want to pick this at five? Is that where y'all are seeing it right now? Uh, uh, I thought I it was it four. I saw four and a half. Ooh, four right I, now at Vegas Insider. Oh yeah, it does look like it's down to four. Yeah, it's four. All right, uh, Barton. Let's let's just go ahead and dive in on this game, and we'll, we'll just—I mean—we're going to end up previewing this in lots of different ways. So as you're as you're breaking it down, uh, Alabama, Georgia, the national championship game, Atlanta, Georgia, Monday night, four point spread in favor of the Tide. What's your pick? How confident are you feeling? I'm just gonna—I'm gonna kill the suspension uh, or the suspense rather, uh, and I'm just gonna come out with it. Georgia is going to win this football game. Uh, I'll say that out front, and then I'll, I'll explain here. So, look, we, we, I talked about it a little bit as as I broke down, you know, as we talked about the you know, the games, the semifinal games, right? And so here's where I stand with Georgia. For one, actually, I'm going to ask you guys this question. Let me start it this way. What is Alabama on offense? Like, what is their identity? What, either one of you guys, what, what, like, what do you think? They're a run team that doesn't really have a great passing quarterback. Yeah, they are. A, they're they're a team that really needs to be able to bully you on the ground uh, in order to be successful. Yeah, and so the way I see Alabama is, I don't I don't know that like I necessarily get what they want to be on offense. Like they're not the same downhill physical. Mauler offensive line, uh, you know, north-south run game that they've been in the past. They've got some freaky dudes on the outside that they can distribute to, but they don't really have a quarterback that can get it to them. I think as much as anything, they're kind of a quarterback run-focused offense. And I think here we are in the in the national championship game, and Georgia knows what they are. And, and granted, what they are is a physical – run game that plays into Alabama's strength. Like, they can defend the run really effectively. So, in that sense, like, I get the hesitation. But based on what they are, I think Georgia's quarterback is a perfect fit. I think Jake Fromm, that injury to Jacob Eason was the best thing that could have happened to Georgia because it allowed Jake Fromm to take over and, and, and allowed really Georgia to be what they've always wanted to be, what Kirby Smart has always wanted them to be. Uh, and and if if Jacob Eason was there, maybe they've got more, you know, splash big score games. But they're probably a little bit disjointed in terms of their identity. And and I think that Jake Fromm is amazing at being able to play within himself. So so here we are, and 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 you look at Alabama, and, and I talked about it in that previous game. Like everyone is is like checking off Alabama as as all right. Well, man, Alabama's back. Uh, let's 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 pick the pick the tide. Uh, it's it's easy call, and and even my even like Georgia fans are saying that, and people I'm talking to that like are that like follow the Georgia. They're they're sort of like a little bit defeatist about it, but like oh, all right, we got there. It's great. I, I just think that Georgia is a more complete team right now, and if you look at the, I mean, 
Oklahoma is is the truth on offense. They are all the way real. Alabama would have given up a ton of points to them too, I believe. But yet Georgia still came back and shut them down in the second half. Georgia's defense has looked great all year. I think Georgia can do to Alabama what Clemson did to Alabama. Uh, if there's a weakness, it's their secondary, and Alabama is not going to exploit that weakness. Um, and, and and again, you look at Alabama Clemson, it wasn't as dominating as we thought it as, as the score suggests. It was a pick six and a and a late interception with a short field away from me in a four point game. And so all those reasons, and you look at the the you know, there's it's up to like seventy percent on Alabama right now. And I even initially gave our editor Adam Silverstein Alabama as my winner pick. But I've slowly, over the last 48 hours or whatever it's been, I've, I've slowly talked myself into Georgia. And maybe this is a bad call, but I, I just think Georgia's really good. And I think they're going to go in there, and they're a more complete team, and they've got more of a, I think, identity offensively, and that's going to be enough to win the game. So that was a wordy answer. Uh, so I apologize if I lost you guys, but I'm, I'm going Bulldogs. And I'm going to go five units, because why the hell not? Yes. Um, ah. Well, it was it yes, wordy answer, absolutely, but well explained because I I don't feel good about my Alabama pick anymore. It's the idea. Nah, I, <laughs> I I really don't feel I'm going Alabama minus 4. Uh it's only a two unit play and and here's here's my angle here. Uh I I think that there's a slight logistical advantage. Yes, the game is in Atlanta. Um but I, I don't really consider that I don't consider that any more of a home field for Georgia than it might be for Alabama. Though Georgia has that does mean that uh, Georgia has played more recently with the strange lighting, uh, right, Tom? Can't Cut. overlook the lighting factor. Cannot overlook the lighting factor. So I don't I don't really give like any home field advantage. But what I do give is a logistical travel advantage, where I think uh, for Alabama. Even though that game was later, I think that there's a there's a little bit more wear and tear that's coming from, and this is the shortest turnaround that we've had from uh, the semifinals to the national championship in the four years that the college football playoff has been in place. I think coming from Pasadena all the way home, and then having to be essentially, I think they they're getting to Atlanta either today, Wednesday, if not definitely on on Thursday. Uh, to start going through their walkthroughs. This is this is a big time. Uh, I think that there's a, a travel logistical complication. Uh, and then you sort of pair that with, you know, like which one of these teams might have uh, have burned all of its oil? Like which one which one was, you know, really pushed into overdrive? Uh, it it definitely wasn't Alabama. I I think this is going to be an incredible game. Uh, we'll get to but Chip, let me ask you this though. Which of those teams played a more physical game? Which of those teams is more beat up right now? Because while I know it was less dramatic and the score was wasn't as, you know, they didn't play it as was many less minutes, draining. And maybe, and maybe maybe they need a little bit of a you know a time to recover emotionally. But hey, Georgia didn't come in from that game, you know, licking their wounds. You know, no. they they were they they were I mean pounding Oklahoma. Those guys weren't didn't even want to tackle. Them, much less get off any blocks. I mean, Jake Fromm's out there on the perimeter, you know, blocking a cornerback into the dang first row while Sonny Michelle scores a wildcat touchdown. Like, it, it was not an impressive effort from Oklahoma from a physical standpoint. 
So while I agree with the, the, the logistics stuff and, and, and a lot of that, like I think it's almost a push in terms of – I think Oklahoma played a less physically taxing game um, if, if maybe a little bit more – you know. You know, a little more cardio in that game, if maybe, but uh, but not, not not as much not as much deadlifts. I uh, I I I'm think that this is I've I've got more confidence in uh, I've got a little bit more confidence. I, I hate that it's seventy percent on Alabama. I might uh, I, I got to stick to it. Two two units, not much confidence. Alabama minus four. Uh, I think that I was ready to pick the Sugar Bowl winner as soon as I saw the game go to double overtime. So I, I got to dig my heels in and stick with, stick with that angle here. I think, I mean, I think it's going to be a great game. I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, but the, uh, the loss of Anthony Jennings, uh, I think was really big. Jennings played an incredible game against Clemson. Um, yeah. And I've not been impressed with him this year, but he, you're right, man. He showed up last or uh, the other night. Yeah, he is. He was, uh, he, he was pretty awesome and he's going to be gone. That's, that's a little, that's definitely a loss worth considering, but, Nick Saban, undefeated against former assistants. I feel like Georgia is going to be back in the college football playoff multiple times in the next seven years. But I think round one, I think this one goes to Alabama. Tom? Oh, man. Uh, I want to be clear. Before either of you spoke, I was never really super confident as far as the spread goes in this game. But I'm taking Alabama minus four, five points. And... The reasons for it, there's quite a few, honestly. It's These teams are so damn similar that it's really hard when you're trying to analyze this game. It's really hard to find the one area where the one team is clearly better than the other, where this you know this team's weakness can truly be exposed by this other team. Because those, those areas really don't exist. If anything, I feel like the biggest difference, especially in Georgia's favor, is special teams. Because I trust the glasses kicker. I don't trust any Alabama kicker. And I think that Georgia's been better in the red zone offensively than Alabama has been this year. So I feel like those are two things that are in Georgia's favor that make me strongly consider taking Georgia plus four. But I lean Alabama simply for a few things. Alabama, like Barton said, did not dominate Clemson the way that that score suggests. It was 24 to 6 as a final score, but offensively, Bama only averaged, I think, like four yards per play. The thing was, Alabama's average starting field position in that game was its own 48. So right. it was playing on half a field all night long. And that, you know, obviously helped lead to a win. Oh, but and meanwhile, Clemson's average starting field position was on its own like 12. 20, 23, I think. Yeah. But. Then I look at what Georgia – the thing is, though, when I watched that game, and I was watching on the coach's room, so you know I had like the all-22, and it was the return of Death Star Alabama defense. That was the one thing I noticed while watching on that that game from the all-22 was that defense was everywhere. It was – you know there was concerns about injuries. There were concerns about depth and all that stuff going against Clemson. It was everywhere. Clemson did not have a shot in hell of doing anything in that game offensively it wasn't just kelly bryant not being deshaun watson it was just alabama's defense ate that entire offense alive and did so for 60 minutes it was it was i almost swore it was, <laughs> it was beautiful to watch and i was just sitting there inspired by it and then you know watching on the coach's film for georgia oklahoma what the, the, the biggest difference to me is that i think oklahoma puts up points on alabama had they been playing in that if, if alabama's in the rose bowl against oklahoma i think the sooners are putting up a lot more than what clemson did against alabama but i don't think that they're doing what they did to georgia to alabama i the way i look at it is alabama dominated clemson 
Georgia came out of the right side of a shootout with Oklahoma. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the adjustments Georgia made in the second half in which they kind of, you know, they were trying to just, it's hard to explain what they were trying to do in the first half. But in the second half, they just kind of went cover one man, allowed an extra guy to stay in the box to take away Oklahoma's run game and just overpower the offensive line with the pass rush and get pressure on Mayfield. And it worked really well for them. But offensively, they had tremendous success, but they're not going to have that kind of success against Alabama. Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb aren't going to be breaking free for multiple 50-yard touchdown runs in the same game against Alabama like they were against Oklahoma. There's such a huge difference between these two defenses, particularly against the run. And then also, Jake Fromm and Georgia, they don't get nearly enough respect for being a solid passing offense this year, but Alabama's passing defense also much better than Oklahoma's. So I don't see Georgia having the same kind of success that they had against Oklahoma against Alabama in this game, which is another reason I lean towards Alabama. And another factor, one that I think we've overlooked, or I don't know if it really has an actual effect, but how have Nick Saban assistants done against Nick Saban? Haven't won once. Exactly. Now, Kirby Smart has a great program at Georgia, and I, I agree. I think this is I think Georgia being in, you know, SEC title hunt and being in the playoff hunt is not just something we're gonna see this year. I think it's gonna be something where we're going to get seeing it year in and year out where Georgia's a real playoff contender and a national title contender. But I don't think they're there yet because I didn't see when Alabama's at its best, Alabama is bullying the hell out of you. It is just beating you up and doing whatever the hell it wants to do. Georgia's not doing that. Georgia's outplaying you, and you're outlasting Oklahoma like we saw in the Rose Bowl. But there's nothing about what Georgia did in that game that said, oh, they're bullies. They are just out there beating everybody up. And then another factor, finally, Alabama's offense struggled against Clemson because Clemson's defensive line is really good. And Clemson's defensive line, when it comes to rushing the passer, is the absolute best in the country and that completely took out any kind of passing game that Alabama wants and while it's it's more of a run-based offense that hasn't been able to pass as well as they would want to I don't think it's still if you look at advanced metrics as far as the efficiency and everything is concerned it's still one of the most efficient passing attacks in the country Georgia's defensive line is not nearly at Clemson's level especially when it comes to rushing the passer so I think Alabama's offensive line is going to have it's it might struggle being able to run the ball because Georgia's rush defense is fantastic it's right up there with Alabama's is one of the best in the country but I think Alabama will have a much easier time protecting Jalen Hurts against Georgia than they had against Clemson which means that guys like Calvin Ridley and other Alabama receivers who really didn't play much of a role in the Sugar Bowl because Alabama couldn't get a passing attack going are going to be able to find space to move and be able to get open because Hertz will have more time to find them and they will have a bigger impact in this game than they did against Clemson. So that's why I think Alabama is going to win and I'm just taking them against the spread as well even though I'm not nearly as comfortable with that as I am with Alabama winning the game. Mm. Um, I look. I I think that there's a lot of reasons why Alabama makes sense here too, and I I, I don't st- strongly disagree with y'all's takes. The one data point in this one, or the one criteria that that you know I've seen people throw around that I would take issue with, is the whole 11 and 0 against former assistant coaches. Guess what? Like Nick Saban is 11 and 0 against a lot of things. <laughs> like. You know, like he's he's yeah. probably fifty-five and zero against uh, coaches that weigh two hundred and twenty-five pounds or more. And no, he's probably no, you're right. eleven and zero. I mean, like he's 
the guy's a great coach, and there's a unique game and and, and a, a different team. And so I, I'm not I, – there's no part of me that thinks, well, because Kirby Smart coached or Nick Saban that he's not going to have a, 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 as, as good an opportunity as anybody to win this game. Alabama has 12 losses over the last 10 years. They've got a winning record against a lot of teams. Right. right. Let's <laughs> find the let's find the coach that has some some like overwhelming dominant record against Nick Saban. He ain't out there. Urban uh, Meyer. What's Urban's record against Nick Saban? I think he has a winning record against him, doesn't he? He lost in 09 SEC Championship, beat him in 08 SEC Championship, beat him in the 14 college football playoff. It might be 2 and 1. I think I think yep. it's more three and two than two and one, because mm. I mean I think they had a couple of regular season meetings in there too. Mm. Over under a forty five. This is my five star five unit play because when the line has been less than fifty, this has happened four times for Alabama. It's gone under three times. This has happened eight times for Georgia. It has gone under five times. When the line was between 43 and 47, Alabama, it's gone under two times, both times that has happened. When it's been between 43 and 47 for Georgia, it's happened five times, gone under four times. So under 45 between two coaches who know each other, two coaches who are more than happy to punt and play field position and try and get it to the fourth quarter and not make mistakes, I think we're looking at 21-17 and... A couple missed field goals maybe will help this, but if I'm going out with one final play, give me the undersweats. I want the undersweats. I'm going five units under 45. Tom, I'm with you. Martin? Yeah, yeah. Throw me in there. All right. Five units under 45. I, I think this could, this could for a casual college football fan i could see this being a very boring game like i i think i think this is a game where there's not not a lot of turnovers not a lot of big plays uh a lot of punting i I just think these is this is going to be a a a defensive demonstration so (laughs) i i don't like i i always am nervous playing unders in in big games like this because i mean Clemson, Alabama had great defenses last year. I know Deshaun Watts is not out on the field, but there's these big games. Sometimes, like they go one of two ways: either either everybody's tight and they, you know, they uh, they stay low scoring, or, or I feel like so often they're just blow like like shootouts because the the atmosphere around the game calls for like defensive scores and special team scores and. Weird stuff happens, and, and so I, I'm always nervous playing those sort of plays, but I just think that's probably the smart one. I'll go under. Tom? Over five points. Mm. Wow. I, I'm not saying it's going to be a shootout. Don't get me wrong. This ain't going to be no 38-35 game, but it's going to be about 27-21. Oh, and so it'll, we'll be we'll – be, you, you're saying that this is – this is going to get real tight for the total. Like the the odds makers have this one about right. And I got when 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 Mister Under is on the over, I am I, that makes me very nervous. Yeah. See, here's the thing: Mister Under is Mister Under because most everybody else is Johnny Over. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
And this is a game where everybody's betting the under. Every single, I mean, there's not, there's been, looking here, there's been almost 10,000 bets on this game already. And 80% of the money's on the under. Crap. All right, switch me over. I'm riding, I'm riding for, with Fernelli on this one. I, got, I don't have time to mess around. This is the last game I want over. Give me five units. So I'm, I, 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 it's not something I'm happy about. No, I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm unhappy to. because I'm, I'm just, just Joseph Q. Public over here with Alabama in the under. I hate it. Yeah, but I'm also on Alabama as well. But this is just, I mean, again, I hate the spread in this game. I don't like the over-under in this game. I don't like anything really about this game as far as Vegas is concerned. They, I feel like they did a really, really good job on this one. And my my honest, as far as actually betting the game, I mean, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday. I won't do anything until about 20 minutes before kickoff at the earliest, before I actually do any kind of bet on this game. Wait and see where everything's falling. I want to wait and see what happens. Yeah. Because I also have a feeling that this total, with the amount of money that's currently coming in on the under, is going to get lower. And then you could find that buyback value. Uh-huh. Um, and I also wouldn't be surprised if Alabama gets bigger, as far as, you know, if, if it goes from negative four back to negative five, negative five and a half goes in that direction. So it's this is going to be one that you need to pay attention to, put it that way. The uh, I You know, you mentioned, Barton, like the casual fan might find this boring. We this this game in terms of audience is very regionally specific. You know, there's 50 states in the United States of America. Only two of them currently represented. They're right next to each other. I was I will be curious to see what kind of because uh, like I think the Clemson Alabama ratings wise, like I I mean I was I was locked in. It was one of my you know two of my favorite college football games, loved them. It was, it was incredible. It was everything that I wanted. Um, but it's, uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see how this plays out because if this is like seven, nothing at halftime, I could, I could see it only being the diehards, uh, that are sticking around until the very end of what I expect to be a very late night on Monday night in Atlanta. Props. I, I, what I do you know. think? Wait. I think it'll be, I think the ratings will be pretty good. You do? Yeah. I just I don't I don't think it'll be like the biggest of all time, you know, ratings, but I think that by and large, while there is going to be some SEC fatigue from, you know, fans that probably wouldn't have been watching the game in the first place. <laughs> but I think that most college football fans are going to tune into this game. From our- and I think that there's still going to be plenty of general public interest just from even if georgia is an sec team just people who would like to watch alabama lose you know it's like that whole rooting against the patriots or the cowboys aspect to it so there's gonna be plenty of just general interest rooting against the evil empire going on and it's also you know going to be on a monday night there's no nfl game there's no other other kind of specific event going on it's going to be the show it'll it'll be fine what if what if Georgia just goes up twenty eight to three, and then loses? <laughs> well, if Georgia goes up twenty eight to three. I have a feeling a lot of people will have stopped watching. <laughs> Georgia goes up twenty eight to three and has a Falcons esque collapse. Oh, 
wouldn't wouldn't be able to take it. All right, let's uh, let's let's get into these props. These props come courtesy of Bovada. Um, Barton, any of these props that you want to add to your card? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to play. I'm gonna see if I can steal some money here. I'm gonna go no turnovers plus seven hundred for. Uh, let me give give me two units on that one. Nice. Uh, I, I think. Look, Alabama. As as much as I've got some questions about their offense, they they don't really turn the ball over, and and Georgia, despite having a true freshman quarterback, man, they take care of that football too. And uh, I think even the Sony Michelle fumble the other night was more of a, a you know an, a, an aberration than that it really was the rule uh so i i think that these are two teams that will take care of the football um i don't necessarily expect there to be no turnovers but i think that's pretty good value if you can get plus 700 uh for a chance for me to make a late comeback and and, and make a run against you guys uh I'll, I'll i'll go ahead and try to steal me some there Ooh, tom do you see anything you like uh yeah i'm actually going to go with alabama by one to six points at plus 320 Five points, and that's and that's one where uh, where you might be able to catch. You might be able to if you can. <laughs> you've got a very sweet spot. That's either like a hedge, or I guess with the plus three twenty, you've got a little bit more value. It's like a borderline hedge. I'm kind of hedging my spread bet a little bit. Yeah, yeah. that's what it's, I was going to say. That's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Because um, again, I think Alabama's going to win. I'm not comfortable on the spread. <laughs> Um, and five units on that one. Five units. You know how I roll. Yeah, I know how you roll. Scared money don't make money. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm gonna throw. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna take. Take a special teams or defensive TD. I'm gonna say yes. We got and, and you know where I think it comes from. It's probably from those Georgia Bulldogs. Their uh, their return game is pretty nasty. I could see Georgia getting either a kickoff or punt return. So I'll do special teams, defensive TD, plus one seventy five, two units, and uh, let's say. Two units on Alabama by seven to twelve. Oh, I also want to go five units on Georgia to score first. All right, seven twelve plus four twenty-five. Barton, Barton going in on Georgia to score first. I believe that's even money. Even money. All right, five units. Five. Give me a nickel. All right, I'm I'm gonna go five units on the first turnover of the game being a fumble, plus one thirty. That's a good one. I like that. I just feel like that's you're getting value on it, and these are two teams who run the ball more than they're going to be passing. Yeah, I was going to say interceptions a very bad play, but no, I opinion. don't think it is because if you look at the turnovers they force. They've most of the turnovers Georgia and Alabama have forced have been via the interception. I think they've forced 41 turnovers this year, and only 13 of them were via fumble. 
And but the difference is if you look at the turnovers the teams give up, they both fumble more often than they throw interceptions. So I'm leaning fumble there because it kind of evens out that way, and I'm getting positive value on the fumble. Uh, all right. Uh, and so some of the other ones, let's see. I, I'm not going to take any individual team action here, but total points for Georgia is at 20 and a half. Uh, total points for Alabama, 24 and a half. Uh, Tom and I both taken Alabama margin of victory bets. Uh, if you want to lay down something on Georgia to win the game by 43 plus, <laughs> boy, you've got a plus 11,000 type value. Talk about you the can- juice. You could uh, you could quit your job for a year if that one hits <laughs> if you play it right. What do you I'm say? Gonna, I, I am going to throw one buck down on. Let's see, if 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 it's Alabama safety plus five thousand, that means Alabama is going to cause this. They're going to get the two points, right? Yes, that would be yeah. uh, the game. Would be two nothing Alabama. I like, Oh, first score of the game. Oh, I thought that was just, uh, will there be a safety? I missed, I misread that. No, it's missed. the first score of the game. All right, but you know what? Let's do Alabama it. Sa- <laughs> Look, man, I got some work to do here. One buck on Alabama safety, first score of the game, plus 5,000. I'll see you guys in the winner's circle. <laughs> I, I got one more then. All right. <laughs> one buck or one point on Alabama by 25 to 30, plus 1,800. Just in case. Just in case death mode shows up. See, I think I think there's a chance that death mode shows up, but even death mode showing up for me, I imagine it being like twenty one to fifteen. Twenty one no, to mean, fourteen. I mean death mode where the defense gets one, special teams gets one. <laughs> you know, it's Damian Harris that- breaks free for like a long run or two. Bose Garbrough gets one. Calvin Ridley gets I mean, death mode. <laughs> yeah. I don't I could, I, I could see I could see it to where like Alab- like Georgia just Alabama just it's it's old school Alabama and like you just can't run the football. Like you just can't. Just not doing anything. And then it's just short fields and Georgia gets tired and all of a sudden you look up and and you know the game's the out of hand and Georgia stops rolling. playing. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it's I think it's conceivable. Yeah. yeah. That's in in my like five potential outcomes of like in my, me trying to like visualize all the different ways that this is, this game's going to go. There is one where the game is not filled with a lot of exciting uh, plays, but slowly but surely the Alabama boa constrictor squeezes the life out of this very fun Georgia team and squeezes life out of the game. And Nick Saban, the robot flashes half a smile as he holds up the college football playoff trophy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, he's pissed off about the way his team played. Yeah, right, exactly. We left three touchdowns out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay, cards are full. Picks are in. Um, yeah, this is the the locks has been one of our podcasts that's gotten the most positive responses from the fans and the listeners. We're glad you all uh, love it. We will definitely be uh, continuing it, and uh, and we'll find we'll, we'll find maybe maybe we'll take some spring game over unders. Y'all like that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> How many snaps will Tua Tagovailoa take in the spring game? <laughs> oh man, he is Tom Fernelli. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, gentlemen, thanks very much. Enjoy the game. Later.